Hello, and welcome to Self-Taught Devs. If this is your first time joining us, this is a podcast where two self-taught developers discuss the learning and growth experience for folks just getting into the industry. My name is Eric Winklespecht. And I'm Matt Ehrlich. And today we are going to be talking about the job search and getting your first role as a software developer. We've talked somewhat about this many times and sometimes it's it's hard and could be frustrating but we want to shed light on some points and talk about some of our experiences so far and in this episode we have a really huge announcement eric would you like to inform our listeners to that huge announcement yes i have accepted uh, an offer for my first full-time role as a software developer so the, the job search journey, the career change is officially uh, hitting the new milestone. Let's go. Awesome job. Yeah, um, I have some questions. I'm sure there's some things that the uh, listeners want to know about. But um, congratulations, first of all. Awesome. Thank job. you. Thank you. It's uh, It's been a lot. <laughs> and, you know, uh, we we talked a little bit before recording, but I I'm excited to talk about this kind of again, you know, revisit the whole job search stuff uh, with renewed perspective. I feel like no one's gonna have the answers for people. There's a lot of folks out there who are trying to get information about what they should be doing in their job search, and I don't want our conversation to be like this is what you should do to find success because I don't think anybody can really tell you that. I think what folks should be focusing on is you can give your experience, you can say the things that you think helped you in your journey, you can say the things that you think might be helpful for other folks out there, but I want to reflect on my own journey and enter this conversation with kind of the note up front of like, you need to find the things that you can sustainably do in the long term and that help you show your value. And what that actually means for you as an individual is going to vary widely, but let's talk about our own experiences here and, and reflect on this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just before we get to that, I think that is a very valuable point. Um, and, you know, to kind of toot our own horn there, I think it's something that we do really well. We don't say mm -hmm. like, you should go out and do this. This is what will help you get this result. We just say like, hey, this is our experience. This is some of the, these are some of the things that we have done, you know, take that um, if you will. but we're not saying this is a hundred percent like what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. um, and and yeah, so speaking of the job search process, what led up to this role? I know the last time we talked about this, you were talking about going through some interviews. Have mm -hmm. you had, how many more interviews have you, you had since that last talk? You know, I don't exactly remember when in the process that was, I had noted down kind of how many companies I interviewed with in total in this process, which I think if I'm not misremembering stuff should be nine total companies that I've interviewed. And each one I've done a handful of interviews for. Um, I've made it through several stages of each of the interview processes. It may have only been like two or three additional since that last conversation, but nine, nine or so in total. Speaking about this role, how how did you find this role that you eventually got? Sure. I don't want to say networking, but it kind of was networking a little bit, not in the traditional sense that you might figure. I was following someone on LinkedIn for a while 
and just I forget exactly how I found them. I'm going to refrain from using names just because I didn't clear this with anybody before our conversation. But uh, I was following someone on LinkedIn for a while and just saw their posts every so often and kind of dug their viewpoint on stuff. And I was just like, I want to follow this person. Uh, and then one day I saw they posted that their company was hiring for a position for a software development position. So I sent in uh, an email with my resume and you know sent my application over. And I then sent this person a message with a connection request because we weren't connected. It was just following them. And I said, hey, I've been following your stuff for a while. And I saw, you know, you said you had an opening on your team. I'm interested. I submitted my resume. I hope I, you know, get a chance to interview. And I kind of, you know, he sent back a response basically just saying like, hey, that's really cool. I, I hope you get the shot. Um, good luck. Like that kind of response. I was like, cool, man. You know, I, I wasn't asking for any favors or anything. Uh, and then a few days later, I posted to LinkedIn a video that I had uploaded to YouTube, which was a tutorial about using React Query and specifically in Next.js applications, but like it kind of applies to whatever framework you might be using. And, you know, it's a video I'm, I'm proud of. And I think I did a good job explaining the concepts and kind of giving a good how to. And if it might have been a day later or a few hours later, I received another message from the same contact. And he said, hey, man, I saw the video you put up. I'm really impressed by the way you speak about the technology. And I'm looking at some of the other stuff you do. And I'm really impressed by what I see from you know your work and stuff. I'm referring you to the position. So you should be getting a call to go through the interview. That's awesome. And mm -hmm. I think I would um, categorize that as networking. I think that falls into the scope of networking. You know, for it, sure. it does. And at the same time, I also reflect on a lot of the ways people say you should try to network network to get a job. And it didn't feel exactly the same thing to me, right? Where it's like, I didn't reach out saying like, hey, can you give me a referral? You know, which is also bad networking practice, right? And I didn't reach out saying like, hey, let's chat so you can get to know me so I can get a referral. It was literally just like, hey, I saw a thing and I applied. And then, you know, I received a message back saying like, hey, I dig your stuff and I want to give you a referral, which is really cool. And I think the way you want that kind of thing to work out, we've seen folks advocate just trying to reach out to as many people as you can to generate as many conversations as you can to hope that somebody likes you enough during that conversation to give you a referral, which I think is a really stressful thing to do. You know, you and I have advocated networking in the sense of like meet people and try to form a genuine connection to the point where like maybe at some point down the road, that person will have seen your development and will recognize your value and then would want to work with you, you know, but it's not a like, a one and done, like, hey, let's chat. Cool. Refer me. Awesome kind of thing. So yeah, still chalk it up to networking, I guess. Right. But uh, networking and, and you said a thing actually in our last episode that really rung true with me in this experience where you said, like, I'm posting to LinkedIn and I'm doing all this stuff because I want people to be able to come and see me and see what I'm about and see the kind of person I am and what I can do. Right. And like, that's kind of how this whole thing worked out for me. It wasn't really like, oh, Eric, you did this one thing that landed you this job. It was like, no, I've been doing this for a really long time and put out all this material so you can see what I've been doing and how I'm doing it and who I am as a person. And people saw that and recognized it and then took the leap of faith of saying like, hey, let's give this guy a shot. Absolutely. And so the steps here are you applied for that position, right? And then you put yourself on that person's radar by one reaching out to them two saying like hey you're doing this i think it's cool right so now you're mm -hmm. kind of giving them a compliment right and now 
they're thinking about you. Maybe they looked at your profile and I mean, I don't know this person, but I can guarantee that they didn't just look at your one video and say, okay, sure. I want to refer to this person. Sure, they, looked, yeah. they probably went through your profile and saw like the months of hard work that you've been putting in and mm-hmm. the videos and talking about code and all the awesome stuff that you've been doing. So, you know, it's maybe months of work that led up to this one opportunity. It mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, just like, okay, I applied for this job and now I got it. It's like, yeah. you've put in the time previously. Yeah. And that also carried through into the interview processes. So when I was scheduled to do the first screening interview, the lead uh, on the team reached out and in the email to schedule the interview said, Hey, I went through your GitHub and saw the projects you're working on and I'm impressed. And I think you'd be a great fit. I hadn't had that experience before in other interviews. You know, I've gone through other interviews where people may have looked at some things here or there or really just wanted to see my performance in the actual interview setting in like a live coding environment or whatever, and kind of made a judgment based on that. But it was nice right up front to be like, oh, they're actually looking through the things that I've done, you know, which everybody like says should be happening, you know, put all that evidence out there so people can go look and kind of get a feel for who you are up front. So that was nice to see that right up front too. Did you prepare anything different for this interview versus your past interviews? Or did you have like your, your kind of routine down pat, like, you know, exactly Mm -hmm. what you were going to do? Yeah, I I'm glad I did a good number of interviews before this point, because I felt way more relaxed going into it. I had actually had another round of interviews at a different company before I had these interviews, which were pretty intense. And I was very happy with my performance in those interviews. I was rejected from that company ultimately, but I'd had other interviews where I felt like I did a bad job. And I talked about one of those on here previously. It's just me as a person, like, especially in a round one where it's kind of like you're going into just kind of have a conversation, which is typical. Uh, For me personally, I don't feel like I need to prep really hard for those kinds of interviews. I'm a conversationalist. I can go in and talk about who I am and what I do and where I came from and the journey. Um, The technical interviews were the ones where I felt like I wasn't cramming before they took place, but I was preparing over the course of, you know, weeks and months to get better at that process because that was the area where it was like, that's kind of a little more scary, you know, to go into. Yeah. And for the people listening, it may, it may seem like, oh man, another person got uh, a position or a job and I'm still going through this and struggling through this, this process. But it's very important to note here that you started applying for jobs last year. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I think I started applying, I mean, a few months into the process, I guess really was when I first started. So, uh, sometime mid 2022, I guess. It's been over a year. You've talked or you've had conversations with nine companies and you got one offer. So it has been hard work. This isn't like Mm -hmm. an overnight success kind of thing. And you've put in that, you know, that hard work and time. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, well, we talked about how we took time off from work to to make this thing work out for us and to give ourselves more time. So like I've treated the coding process, the skill building process, the learning and improvement process like a full-time job already, you know? So um, it's not like I was just doing this on the weekends or the, or the evenings or whatever. This has been 40 plus hours every single week, you know, of of trying to build up the skill set to be hireable, to be proficient enough to get this thing right yeah and the transparency with this i think it also help people who are maybe not even like writing code yet or maybe they're just trying to decide to get into this i think this shed some light on 
what this process could be and maybe mm. not exactly what you might see let's say on youtube or you know yeah. wherever else it, it's it could be a bit lengthy yeah the big thing that i take away from this and i would hope other folks do as well is you know you and i recognize this pretty early on into our processes we're like the popular thing out there for folks who are considering the career change into getting into development you see those youtube videos you see those posts where the folks are like i learned how to code in three months and got a job and got a six-figure salary and like that is not a realistic expectation to have i don't even think boot camps out there do a good job setting expectations about you know their curriculum and then landing a job afterward it's, it's going to take a decent amount of time and it's going to take a lot of work and you got to want it you have to find value in it for yourself to continue long term and you have to recognize that it's a tough journey it's not an easy thing to do for anybody at any point in time so for the people that didn't have the opportunity that we had right to take off from work and, and do mm -hmm. this full time is there anything that you would suggest that they do let's say maybe they have a few hours after work and then some time on the weekends to optimize that process for them, knowing that they don't have those 40 hours every week to do this. Sure. Yeah. In my experience now, I think the things that helped me the most with becoming technically proficient, which I think is something you absolutely need to prioritize if you're going to do this thing, is building and committing myself to building larger projects. Call it a product if you want, right? To actually like go into a large scale development effort to make a solution to a problem that you could potentially monetize. You don't have to monetize it, but like to make it a working product that people are going to use and to try to get people to use it. You know, you go into something like that, you end up solving a lot of different kinds of problems that you may not have encountered in, you know, coding practices and other scenarios, you know? Um, I think that's one thing where if you're limited on time, it's still a big investment. You know, it's it's still you're going to spend months, maybe longer, right? Building a project like that. But I think the rewards that you get from it far outweigh the investment costs that you'd put into it. And basically all it it just starts with building that project, right? Because now mm -hmm. you could talk about what you're building. You even if let's say you don't want to do it in video format, you could show, you know, snips or pictures of like the code you're writing or the project you're building and talk about that thing. And maybe you, you'll get some people to interact with um, with your post if you're using LinkedIn, and then that mm -hmm. could you know build new connections and take people to your GitHub, like what happened with you. So yeah, that makes sense that it just, it starts with like the building. Yeah, I think so. And I've got, I'm guilty of doing this in so many episodes that we have recorded where I talk about like the weather app you know, that people build along the journey. It's like, it's cool. You need to do that at some point. You need to build some of those skills and build a smaller application. I don't think it's appropriate to have a mindset of like, once you've done that, that you're job ready. You know, I think some people might be uh, under the impression that once they can make anything that they're good to go and they should, you know, put themselves out there in the job search. It's not a bad idea to apply early, right? I think we hear that advice a lot, like apply early, interview early so you can get interview experience and kind of see the things you might need to work on. I just, you know, for myself too, looking back, like when I thought I was job ready and when I'm like actually feeling confident and job ready, we're pretty different times. You know, I thought way earlier on, I was like, okay, good. I've gone through courses. I get the skills. I can do this stuff. You know, it was a good 
year from that point before I'm really like, yes, I'm good to go. I know I can go and provide value to a company and, and a team and be valuable. Yeah, that's relatable because even me, I didn't start applying for jobs until a year after I started learning. And by that time, I already built a few like BS projects. I built some portfolio projects. I built a full stack application. And then I was ready to like start applying for jobs. It wasn't like, okay, I built these small things and now I'm going to, to go apply, which is some of the advice that I've gotten. And I think there's there's value in that as well, right? Because maybe um, if you get started in and accustomed to that application process and how to go find jobs, um, and you start that early, by the time where you're actually like ready to be employed, you'll have that that experience as well. Mm -hmm. So it could go both ways. Yeah, I think nothing's better for interview prep than doing actual interviews. You know, like you can do as many like leak code problems as you want to and try to memorize patterns and, you know, do your DSA studying. I, I, I think even like mock interviews are okay, but until you're actually in an interview setting where like you want a job, you know, and you're being graded, so to speak, by people who are your gatekeepers to that job. You can't really recreate that specific feeling that you get, you know, that pressure that you feel. So when it comes to like being ready to do interviews and or being good at interviews, like it's a skill you need to develop to find success in this whole thing. And you're going to hit a whole wide array of interviews, right? You'll get conversational interviews. You'll get different types of technical interviews, whether those mean like live coding just through problems, live coding a project, take-home projects, all that stuff. So they're all different types. And like until you're in the moment and experiencing it and evaluate your own performance and see the things you can improve, like I don't think anything beats that for getting better or for preparing for the interview process. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, in order to get better at it, you have to actually do it. I think yeah. one of the the common denominators between like my experience getting developer roles and and yours now is that we just we talked to somebody. Mm -hmm. We weren't, you know, silent. We didn't just do the work and apply. Like we we talked to people and that helped us um call it networking, if you will, but get that position. And I think that's important to note that communicating with others helped us. Yeah. Out of like the nine companies where I've interviewed, two of those were through talking to a person first, right? And kind of making a contact and then saying like, cool, I want you to interview here. The others were all cold apply. So you can find success in cold applying too. I think it's just maybe a little bit harder that way than when somebody gets to know you and checks you out and sees your skill set before kind of making that, uh, that leap into the interview process. Thank you for listening to the Self-Taught Devs Podcast. If you appreciate what we do and want to help support the show, we're now on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash self-taught devs pod. Your contribution not only allows us to keep making episodes like this, but you'll also get a monthly newsletter from Matt or Eric, get access to the Self-Taught Devs Discord server, where you can help shape the direction of the show by providing feedback or topic suggestions, and you can even get a special monthly episode exclusively for our Patreon supporters. That's patreon.com forward slash self-taught devs pod, all one word. Let's talk about the challenges of the job search besides just making it work. It is mentally taxing, extremely mentally taxing to do this kind of thing because you will get rejected frequently, often. Right. Especially if you are relying heavily on 
uh, cold application process, which I think a lot of folks do, and it's not wrong to do that, but you're competing with so many people in every single cold apply that you do. And most times you're probably just going to get an automated rejection. So like at a certain point, I know, you know, let me speak about me specifically, right? During this process, there were many, many times where I was questioning my methods and what I was doing and hearing other people's suggestions and wondering if I should be pursuing some of those things instead. Like for example, um, contributing to open source. I've done some exploration with contributing to open source. It wasn't something that I focused on throughout this process. A lot of people swear by it and say it's the way they got their job and that it helped them become a better developer. And like those things are awesome. It wasn't something that I invested a lot of time in because I just the upfront process of finding something I wanted to contribute to and spend time in was challenging for me. And felt like I felt like that was taking too much time away from other things I wanted to accomplish. So I lowered it on my priority list, you know, um, for other folks that might jump up to the top, but like, it's easy to get lost in the advice and it's easy to feel like all the things that you're doing might just be a waste of time and that you should be doing other things instead. That I think is a big challenge for a lot of folks out there. Yeah. It's, it's also been a challenge for me because there's, there is so much information out there that has also worked for other people. So mm -hmm. it's hard to decide for yourself, well, what should I prioritize? Uh, there, there are many methods, including, you know, like you said, open source and you built your own product, which is awesome. And, you know, maybe applying, maybe not applying and just networking, there's so many courses that you could take and uh, it, it does get overwhelming. So mm -hmm. how for yourself did you decide what you wanted to prioritize then? I prioritized the stuff that felt the best to me. So when I would participate in an activity, like for example, when I started doing leak code, just straight up leak code in general, I hated doing leak code stuff. I found other ways of doing DSA that I enjoyed a lot more, but leak code and everybody's like, you know, so many people out there is like, you have to do leak code. You got to do leak code. I didn't enjoy doing it and I wasn't going to stick with it. The the posting, putting out videos or putting out LinkedIn posts, like I did the things in the moment that felt the best to me. And I did the things in the moment that I thought would be valuable for other folks, right? Specifically like the YouTube videos that I've been putting out that seem to be getting attention and that helped me get this interview and helped me get noticed are things that I enjoyed doing, I thought was helpful. And it felt like the best use of my time. So it's maybe that's not <laughs> the best answer for, for folks out there looking for um, some direction or help on direction. But my whole viewpoint is like, you need to be able to do this stuff long-term because finding that job is going to take a lot longer than you expect it to. And it's a lot of work involved. You need to do numerous things. You need to take numerous avenues to try to build up the most, let's call it luck that you can, right? Because we'll talk about luck a little bit more. But if you're doing stuff that you just hate doing and it's a grind, you're not going to stick with it and you're going to want to quit and it's just going to feel worse. Yeah, that's really important. It's hard enough as it is, but doing things that you're not really enjoying, um, that can definitely make it a lot more difficult, especially if your time is limited, right? Maybe mm -hmm. you only have like an hour or two per afternoon mm -hmm. and you're you're doing things that maybe make you feel kind of bad and it sucks and you know, you're getting hammered with things and 
you're not getting the results you're expecting. And on top of that, you hate what you're doing. That's just going to maybe prolong it or just make you feel a lot worse. Mm -hmm. I think that also includes like the technologies you work with, right? You know, some folks are going to keep technology hopping just because, you know, the advice of looking what is around your, your industry or your area is good advice, right? Because you want to be building up skills at companies that you're applying to or looking for. So you could be useful and valuable and they need to see that up front. But if you just totally hate a technology, you're probably not going to want to stick with it or work in it anyway. So like find the stuff you enjoy and focus on, at least I think you should focus on building bigger projects and solving more complex problems with those technologies. Because once you find people that want to talk to you about the things that you've done, you're going to have more engaging conversations when you talk about those kinds of projects. And sometimes it doesn't really matter that much, the specific technologies that you're using, right? Like if your only experience is JavaScript and TypeScript and you're applying to a Java job, yeah, that's going to matter. But if you have worked primarily in JavaScript, TypeScript, and the company you're working for has that as part of their stack, and you can prove to them that you are a good learner and you have solved very complex problems with your technology, they're going to like you and they're going to want to talk to you more, right? Absolutely. And I heard this quote today and it really stuck with me and it was, if you know what you want and you're going in the right direction, it doesn't matter how slow you're going, you're still making progress. If you're going in the wrong direction, you could go super hard, right? And it actually might even be worse for you, like working harder towards that thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, that kind of shed some light on on this as well and has a little bit to do with what you just said. Yeah. I said it a moment ago, I want to really stress the luck factor in all of this, right? I don't think people talk about being lucky enough when it comes to doing a career change and and finding your first role, you know, not to say like, you don't need to work hard. Of course you need to work hard, but I think it becomes a process of like, even if you're networking, you need to have some amount of luck to find that person who's going to connect with you in a way that they want to work with you and that they can see what you do, you know, and, and feel confident that you can do the role and all that stuff. But when it comes to luck, I feel like the more you can do to increase your own luck in that respect, do it. You know, and if that means putting yourself out there, that means building projects and making them public, that means being vocal about what you do and what you're learning. That means if you can teach others, teach others, right? Because the more opportunity that you give other people to see what you're all about, the luckier I think you can get in landing that first role and making that thing work out. Yeah. And and luck may present itself in other ways too. Uh, I can speak specifically for me. Had I not moved to New York City and gotten you know a job here in North Carolina, then I would have never burnt out at that job, and I would have never left that job sure. to start learning to code. And you know that's kind of lucky as well. So you know it, it may not be as present as uh, different kinds of luck, but yeah, thinking of things in that way, in that respect as well, also is like very lucky mm-hmm. to get you to like where you are now. Serendipity. So you talked about luck, and I think. That's a very important um, discussion here because not a lot of other people discuss it, right? We hear a lot of the other things, and like you mentioned, DSA, building projects, like trying to get professional experience, but luck mm-hmm. does play a factor. And continue continuing with this conversation, a lot of the feedback that some of us get is like, oh, you just don't have enough experience. Mm-hmm. You don't have enough professional experience. Sorry, you have the skills, but you don't have the experience. But you, Eric, you don't have that professional experience, right? And you still got your first full-time job. Mm-hmm. So do you think that's maybe kind of like a, a scapegoat from recruiters? Like, 
they don't think you a person has enough value so they hit you with like the experience part oh that's a tough question to answer I, I will say you know understanding that experience is a super important part of procuring that first role i did some freelancing stuff you know throughout this process but you know i really sold myself on my experience in my we should watch application because for me i was of the mindset of like if i'm going to have a hard time finding a first role and gaining that professional experience i'm going to make my own opportunity to gain my own professional experience which is why i approached that project as like this is the this is the job these are the function this is the this is the product that i'm working on this is the product that i'm trying to put out for people uh and that also i think got me in the door a lot more often with cold applying seeing that on my resume as a position right is how i listed it it's i was a full stack developer at we should watch here's all the stuff i did on this application and and you know the different features i implemented which i think is an important thing to do like whatever projects you're working on don't be afraid to list it that way and then like once you get in the door and have a conversation with people yeah you can kind of go more in depth of like oh this is my thing and i did this you can take it from the entrepreneurial viewpoint if you want right do i think it's an excuse that people give which was really the point of your question there that's really tough i think you're gonna hear that more often than not now just because of how saturated the market is right especially given all the layoffs you know you have to remember if you are making this this is your first role you're trying to compete for you're competing with a whole lot of folks who number one are doing the same thing as you who are trying to get that first role and doing whatever they're doing you know whether it's projects boot camp college whatever but you're also competing with folks that have been in the industry for one two three more years who are also looking for a role because they were laid off or they're moving positions or whatever. So when somebody says like, you don't have the professional experience. Yeah. I think that's maybe a little bit of a judgment call to say like, I don't really want to talk to you because based on what I see already from your resume, I've got these other resumes that show me they've got more professional experience and I can right off the bat based on a hundred plus people that applied need to cut some people out right which i think is also a big thing people need to remember during this process you can get cut early for maybe something you think is not quite fair but you need to put yourself into a position to compete with what might not be fair out there and make yourself look as strong as possible so i am of course excited to hit this milestone in the career change journey right but for me i don't feel like this is the end, of course, which I don't think anybody should. You know, you focus on getting that first job for a really long time, but this isn't the end of the process. So next for me is, of course, like, well, now I'm going to focus even more on spending more time on improving my skill set and finding the ways to be valuable to my teammates and to the company in my in my role. I'm excited to talk more about what I learn moving into this position. You know, I've already had a few people say to me like, hey, I'm excited to hear what happens on the podcast now that you know, you're going to be in the role and the kind of things you'll, you'll talk about in the future, which is the point of what we do here, right, Matt, where it's like, we talk about our experience and it is the, for the, for folks getting into the industry, right, which is what we have been doing and what we will continue to do. So there's tons more to learn moving forward. There's tons more to talk about. Uh, I'm, I'm super jazzed, man. It, it still feels surreal 
you know, there's still definitely moments where I'm just like, oh, I did this. It's it's wild, but I'm I'm stoked about it. Yeah, again, great job. And I am definitely excited to hear some of the things you learn and maybe some of the, the practices and um, how you're working in a team environment. And I think not only myself, but I think the listeners can learn a lot from your experience that you're going to gain. So that's really awesome. Uh, let's end this as we always do by uh, thanking our patrons. If you want to help support what we do here, uh, you can join us at patreon.com slash self-taught devs pod. Uh, we've got a bunch of goodies for you there every month. And a big thank you to our supporters so far, Matt Hoadley, Danielle Arnett, Vanessa Vunn, and Danny McVeigh. Thanks so much for supporting the Self-Taught Devs podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you aren't already, please subscribe. We release a new episode every Friday. If you want to help us grow, please share this show with your network. Check the show notes for all of our links. Reach out and say hi. Email us at selftaughtdevs at gmail.com if you have a recommendation for a guest or a topic. Thank you for listening to Self-Taught Devs.